You don't have to look far to find people with innovation, passion and community trust. They're the ones who are working hard to respond to the challenges faced by local people. In this Changing Places podcast, you'll hear from local people from across the UK who are creating solutions to local issues. I'm Alex from Unlimited, the folks behind this podcast. I'm from Stoke and I work with resilient communities in North Staffordshire. I'll be the one taking you on this journey. In each episode, you'll visit a different local community in the UK to hear how they're changing their part of the world for the better. In this episode, join me as we head to Brighton to talk food. Brighton was named the UK's capital of food sustainability in 2020. So that's why we have Joel Essex from the Bright Store, an affordable food scheme and shop in Brighton, and Brian Coyle from East Brighton Food Cooperative to talk to you in this episode of the Changing Places podcast. They chat the who, the why and the what falls of their food-flavoured social enterprises. But first, a familiar voice sets the scene for your visit to Brighton. It's comedian Mark Steele, somewhere down by the sea. Hello, I'm Mark Steele, comedian, sometime resident of Brighton and Hove, and welcome to this episode of Unlimited's Resilient Communities podcast. Now, there are so many brilliant things about living in Brighton. There's the sheer quirkiness of it, the fact that you get used to these things after a while, and then when somebody comes and visits, they're astonished and go, look, what, look, look, there's a bloke naked, covered in glitter, doing a tightrope walk from the town hall to the pier. And when you're used to living in Brighton, you go, oh, that's Dave, he's the mayor. You just get used to it. You get used to the fact there's no point in trying to just go to the shops on a Sunday because the streets will all be packed because there's a London to Brighton hovercraft race. You get used to it. Even the things that look as if they're what you might get in any town, like the lawns, aren't normal lawns. They're lawns where outsiders sit there thinking, can't you all juggle at home? There's a beach, but it's covered in specially quirky Brighton pebbles, and the sea is a specially quirky sea that goes around its slightly crazy pier. And the most brilliant thing to do in Brighton is potter around the lanes and listen to the vibrant music and get a sense of the art scene. And there's the food and the countless community projects and social enterprises across the city, which, along with the Brighton and Hove Food Partnership, helped Brighton become the sustainable food capital of the UK last year. And the shops are just so magnificently independent and individual. And sometimes you don't really know what the point of them is because they seem to be selling China purple dragons or shoes made out of dust, but that's all right. And there's everything from community cookery and composting projects to social supermarkets and community growing gardens in the city that have tripled in the last five years, all of which are extremely useful to have during a global pandemic and helping Brighton lead the way in changing our local food systems work, making them more resilient, fairer and more sustainable. So in this episode of the podcast, you're going to hear about some of the people who are helping to change the way food works here and how they've worked during the pandemic to keep their local communities fed. Now, I'll be back later, but for now, I shall leave you in the capable hands of Mr. Joel Essex from Bright Store and Brian Coyle from East Brighton Food Cooperative, just two of the community food projects that are doing such brilliant work across the city. Thanks, Mark. Splendid stuff there. And I'll certainly keep an eye out for the mayor next time I'm down the seafront. 
My name's Joel Essex from Brightstore, a social enterprise and social grocery store based here in Brighton and Hove that's helping to make food a little bit fairer. And along with Brian Coyle from East Brighton Food Co-op, we're going to take you on a little tour of the community food scene in the city. First up, I bend Brian's ears to find out what East Brighton Food Co-op is all about. And then he talks to Sue and Tash, two of their volunteers, to tell us about what goes on during a typical day at the food cooperative. So I'll see you in a bit. So Brian, I was just going to, um, I guess, sort of ask you first off about Brighton Food Co-op, sort of how it all came about for you and how did you you first get involved? Well, um, I was aware of the appalling health inequalities and education inequalities in uh, my local area. I got together with a group of local residents and we set up a group called The Causeway. Then um, my project was food. And out of that uh, project on food, uh, the East Brighton Food Co-op came about. We was originally set up to do workshops, events. Um, we've got an apple press, smoothie machine. So basically, hands-on, get the children cooking. We did they're doing cookery lessons. Get the community involved around food. I've read about your apple press on your website. It sounds quite good fun. It's really, really popular. I mean, the adults love it. The elderly people love it. They just love seeing the apples and like seeing the juice come out of it. And it just tastes so good. Freshly pressed apple juice, there's nothing like it. It's just amazing stuff. I guess it's quite a good way to sort of engage people in a way. If you've got something practical examples, something that they can use and hands-on, it can, it can make a bit of a difference. Oh, definitely. I mean, the kids love it. And we also get the smoothie bike from the uh, resource centre where the, the kids have got to like, pedal the bike to uh, produce the electricity to make the smoothie. That's a good one to get the people involved as well. We envisioned having lunch clubs, um, but COVID-19 came along, so we had to um, put all that on hold. So our lunch club that we was envisioned has now turned into like a delivery service, and now we're um, delivering meals to people in their homes. But we're really looking forward to post-COVID and uh, having the biggest lunch club in Brighton. From hearing about you guys and what you do, I, I think the one thing that is amazing or what certainly impresses me is the kind of the sort of scale of the scale of the operation really how many sort of meals are you doing at the moment i mean at the moment we're doing 230 meals a day 190 meat and 40 vegetarian but on a friday we do a triple meal service so we've done 690 meals last friday but the scale of the operation i mean uh, i'm used to working in like wholesale markets in london and um, i've done logistics for a courier company so it was quite easy to scale it up, really. We've got drivers from all over Brighton, volunteers from all over Brighton and Hove. In many ways, we're sort of quite lucky, both Brightstore and, and, and East Brighton Food Cop. It's, it seems to be like part of a, a much sort of wider community food project in, in the city. Do you see that as something that's quite helpful for you? Or? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's lots of um, social enterprises in, in Brighton. You know, I think it's the capital for social enterprises uh, in, in England. These organisations, social enterprises, are able to step in with like that they can work a lot, lot, lot quicker. They know their communities. Working with all the different um, community groups and social enterprises in Brighton has been absolutely amazing. I mean, we're very, very lucky to have such a strong food sector here, and it's been a blessing. With Brightstore, Joe, I mean, how did it come about for you? I mean, what, what, it wasn't even here last year, and you've, you've made quite a, um, a massive mark on the food scene. Yeah, yeah, it's really weird. I mean, if I been sat here a year ago and having this conversation i would this i would never have got involved with something like this but it was um i started doing some volunteering for mutual aid just locally and that was just doing some basically just putting leaflets through people's doors just to say you know if you need any help if you need any food deliveries here's my number and then i started doing 
some collections for the um, a new food bank that started at the um, BMECP um, Centre in Fleet Street, the Black and Ethnic Minority Centre. And then just through mutual aid, I got chatting to a few other people locally who were doing something similar. Sort of one thing led to another, really. We, we kind of got contacted by the Brighton and Hove Food Partnership and and they sort of said, oh, look, we, there's some funding available to try and maybe do something a bit more sort of long-term and sustainable. So the idea of Brightstall was kind of born out of um, this idea of having an affordable food scheme whereby um, it comes like a next step from a food bank, working really closely with food banks. People can can sign up as members they can come in with part of a store, have some choice and variety on the food. And it's very much sort of like a cooperative model. So people pay what they can afford for like a really good weekly shop, which is sort of sourced fresh food, sourced locally in the lo- in their local community. And as part of that, they help to run the store. So that's that's the kind of idea behind it, I guess, in principle. Oh, that's brilliant! And uh, and as as uh, you know, as the lockdown had any impact on how you operate. Yeah, yeah, it has. I mean, because it, um, it's it's weird because the sort of five people who are still very much the core team, none of us really had any experience, previous experience of working in this in this area. So it was all new to us, really. And we we kind of emerged out of coronavirus and the pandemic. But I don't think we feel that we're defined by it. I think there was a need for this sort of way of doing things with food and food systems before coronavirus and there's definitely going to be a need for it for the for the future but we've definitely had to sort of learn on our feet and adapt our service through lockdown so is there anything that you kind of think oh you know have you got an idea of what you might might look like in a year's time or two years time or or you just don't have time like it like it is with us it's it's just very focused on getting stuff done every week yeah i mean well i mean our our mission is to get like fresh fruit into schools and youth clubs and get people eating healthy food so i'm hoping that we're going to have loads of uh, young chefs in the next couple of years as a result of all our cookery classes so lots of uh, volunteers coming uh, forward to cook lunch, hopefully. And do you see Bright Store? Uh, I mean, you've got two stores already. I mean, did you see yourself adding more stores to the um, portfolio, so to speak? <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of the things we're quite keen on is um, in Hollingdean in particular, there's there's a whole sort of network of allotment sites. So we're really keen to get people engaged with growing or growing projects that are going on in their, their local community. And, and I think... There is another way to do food and local food systems. It doesn't have to be the way it's normally been. You know, it can be a much more positive, empowering experience for people than than maybe what it is at the moment for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean that's brilliant. I mean, I, I, we're lucky that we've got a lot like, quite a forward-looking council and a, a great food partnership, and and like, everyone wants to get community growing uh, at the top of the agenda, which will be just like brilliant. So. Here's looking forward to maybe two or three years from now. There's going to be little vegetable gardens all over the city, Joe. Definitely, definitely. I'm I'm up for that. I've, yeah, I'm up for donning in my overalls and getting getting stuck in and uh, making some positive change. Brilliant, mate. Brilliant. Well, keep up the great work you're doing, Joe. It's a pleasure working with you, brother. Yeah, brilliant, Brian. All right, it's been great chatting to you. Beautiful. Hello, this is. Uh, <laughs> this is Brian Coyle from the East Brian Food Cooperative, and I'm with two of our top volunteers. These two people are amazing. They've been with us since the beginning of the Robert Lodge Kitchen. But why are they here? 
Well, that's a good question. I'm going to pass it over to the wonderful Sue and Tash. Hi, I'm Sue Meachin and I've worked here since the very first day. Hi, I'm Tash Sharma and I've been here since April in 2020. OK, uh, why did you both volunteer at the East Brighton Food Co-op? I work with vulnerable children and I knew that their families and parents would be struggling during the pandemic. So I decided to come over and do what I could to help them. How did you end up here, Tash? After I was furloughed, I looked up the uh, Brighton Food Partnership website and looked at my local area and got in touch with East Brighton Food Co-op, knowing that there's a lot of people in this area who would benefit from this service. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. And, um, I mean, how many meals did you send out today, girls? Uh, 230. Times three. Times three, So that's um, almost near enough 700 meals today. 700 meals in one day? Oh, my goodness. And what was on the menu today? Um, We had uh, jacket potatoes with cold slaw. We had a lovely roast dinner with chicken. We had a, a pheasant spaghetti bolognese. And that was venison, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. sorry, venison. Uh, we're getting really posh here, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, 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 what? I mean, how do you do the, the meals, then, Tash? I mean, what, what, what's your typical meal? What, what are you looking to put into a, a container that you send out to these lovely people? Okay, so we're looking for a nice full meal for everybody. We've got to have a good balanced diet, so we'll have some carbohydrate, protein, and some vitamins with our vegetables that are always fresh. So some of our tasks today was bringing in orders from outside, uh, stacking them up and seeing what else we could put in fresh for the meal today. Ah, brilliant. So as much fruit and vegetables as possible. Exactly. Brilliant. That is is amazing. What days did you do this week? I done um, Thursdays and Fridays. Yesterday uh, was Thursday and I done... 10 in the morning until 8 o'clock last night. 10 in the morning, 12 o'clock at night? Yes. No. We had a very busy day. Today wasn't as long. It was from half nine till five. So your typical day, when you came in yesterday, Sue, what did you do? Uh, Yesterday I helped with the prepping. um, What did you prep? uh, Potatoes, carrots, broccoli, onions, all the veg that was going out today. And what veg? Can you add any more in there? Uh, Cabbage. Parsnip, cooked loads and loads of parsnip and done all the roast potatoes, uh, jacket potatoes for today. Oh, wow, that's good. And the coleslaw, where'd you get your coleslaw from? Did you get it from the shop? No, absolutely not. We managed to get all our volunteer help to create four tubs of carrot, celeriac, cabbage, onion, and it made a wonderful mix, so that was great. Oh, wow, that is absolutely amazing. What sort of people are getting your meals then? I mean, who are you helping? All different types of people, um, from the really vulnerable, uh, disabled, right up to the elderly, anyone that's really struggling in the pandemic. Um, We don't say no to anybody. Okay, do you charge for these meals? Absolutely not. And uh, we've also found that we've got quite a lot of elderly population around this particular area as well as people um, suddenly going into isolation or who are furloughed since uh, second lockdown or third lockdown. So we found that the clients have changed over time, but we're still providing more and more meals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and can you see this meal service considering the need for that, like, like, like continuing like the need for this meal service? Oh, I hope so. I think that um, there's many, many people that need this continuous help and... All while there's volunteers here to provide the help, we will continue doing so. 
Well, thank you so much, Suntash. You are heroes, and we couldn't have done any of this without you. You are just absolutely amazing, and I uh, thank you so much for all the work you do. You're amazing. Thank you. Thanks. That's great. And that's a cut. <laughs> Hello, Joel again here. Now coming up, the final bit of today's episode. It's my chat with the lovely Flo, a volunteer and member of Brightstore. I caught up with her to chat about everything from being able to get food when you're living in a self-isolating household, to trying new vegetables, and how volunteering at Brightstore has helped to meet new people and become more sociable. Thanks so much for for joining us on the podcast. Now I, I remember meeting I probably met your mum at Bright Store before I, I met you and I, th- I think it's fair to so your mum's quite a character <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah the friendliest there is <laughs> very friendly yeah I, I just kind of wanted to perhaps just sort of start off and, and ask you a little bit about your family and what home is like really yeah who does the cooking what do you eat mm, my mum does most of it if I'm making something, it's all based around potatoes, which is why I love Bright Store because they have so many potatoes. Yeah, we definitely, there's yeah. definitely something we're never short of is, is potatoes. Yeah. Before sort of Bright Store, what sort of issues, if any, were you kind of having with, with food as a, as a family? I think we just found that fresh fruit and veg just runs out really quickly, which is why it's good to have Bright Store as an option. And I think since COVID has hit, the prices have definitely gone up at the shops. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely right. I think you, a lot of people are sort of who who come and use Bright Store have, have sort of said that they find prices in the supermarket more expensive than they have done yeah. previously. Yeah, they're definitely going up. I've noticed it. It's crazy. Yeah, and you you mentioned about just talked about coronavirus mm-hmm. and I wonder if you know you could describe the sort of impact that coronavirus has, has had in terms of getting that weekly shop or having access to to food back in the summer for example I would have said oh no I can't go to the shops um, I'm so paranoid walking around is too difficult so having something like sort of bright store is a bit more of an easy way to to do your weekly shop I, I guess mean, especially recently they've set up the new delivery service which is amazing you know, not everyone is able to walk. Say, for example, if you have kids, you can't just pop out whenever you want to and go to the shops, can you? Bright Store is amazing for that. I know that you some of you, well, you've had to sort of self-isolate, I think, or, or so oh, yeah. your mum has. Yeah. How has that impacted on, on how you can right. get food? If we did not have Bright Store, I don't know how we would have managed it because obviously Bright Store were amazing in that whole time. I think we got about two deliveries in that yeah in that space and it was just the best thing because we were not able to go out and about ourselves i suppose for a lot of people that have been in a sort of similar situation really you don't appreciate that no. um, that, that <laughs> need to, to be able to go out and do basic things like do, do your weekly shop and then all of a sudden you forget you honestly forget okay so what i got told um when i had the phone call test and trace was that there is like a government scheme where people can do your shopping for you but i just thought mm, that'd be a bit too complicated you know one of the things i was going to ask was really what sort of difference has having sort of bright store on the doorstep made for you and and, and the rest of the family really so when you do your weekly shop you tend to have your 
usual little veggies that you're going to pick up right what i found out with bright store because I, I do a lot of the packing there's so many different veggies that i would just <laughs> never consider to pick up and now i'm like you know what yeah let me, i'll put that in the bag give it a try at home and it actually turns out to be quite good yeah but it's just you know broadened my taste in veggies it's been great and is there anything that you've tried sort of cooking for the first time so i take the stuff home for my mom to cook <laughs> <laughs> that's, exactly what that's exactly what i do and you mentioned just then about getting involved in sort of volunteering yourself yes. with the bright store yeah can you just sort of go back i guess how did you sort of first get involved really i just went in just to see what it's all about because i'd heard about it from my mom but i was just like mm, i don't understand what it's all about and then i must have started speaking to rachel one of the leaders and then I was just asking, I was like, oh, so how does this work? What's going on here? Yeah. And then she explained it all to me. And I thought, mm, it sounds like a very nice thing you guys are doing. I would like to help out if it's possible. And it was all pretty straightforward. She said, yeah, no problem. Come next week on a Tuesday and you can, you know, help me out. And that's kind of how it all started. What's the sort of typical <laughs> volunteer day for you today? <laughs> right. So if I go back from the start, I was at the reception. So I would greet the people when they came in, say hello, take down their membership number. But we no longer do that whole process of the reception because of the new lockdown rules. So now how we're doing things is we get the deliveries in the mornings bag all the veggies up by the time I get there at 10 Claire has already done the essentials so this is the tinned foods the pasta rice the whole point is just to bag the stuff up for each family and then when they come in they collect their bag oh there is also the already prepared meals so some families will pick up a meal that's already been made like a hot meal which is amazing as you can see that probably saves a lot of time there is also yeah. dog, dog food people have dogs um, you can pick up some dog, dog food which is amazing <laughs> i think that's so cute there's something for everyone yeah, I guess you probably don't really think of sort of an affordable food scheme. <laughs> you don't normally tend to think of dog food, but yeah, you're right. I guess a lot of people have been having dogs in lockdown, so it's probably an essential service. Really. Exactly. I mean, where else can you go and spend less than £10 and get fruit and veg, tinned foods, pasta, dog food and a hot meal? Yeah, that's you know? pretty good. Exactly. That's pretty good. What sort of impact sort of volunteering at Bright Stores had on you? So being in lockdown for so long, you kind of forget that there's other people out there, you know, that have their own lives different from yours. And so being at Bright Store, one of the benefits is, you know, I get to actually go and socialise for a little bit once a week. Yeah, I think what you said was really, really interesting about that social element, even if you're going to do your shop there, or even if you're just, even if you're volunteering, that social element is really important. And clearly that sounds like it's something that's quite important for you. As human beings, we're quite social people. I didn't realise that before lockdown because I was the one of those people that would say, oh, I'm an introvert. I like to be at home, stay indoors. I don't like talking to people. I've learned that's quite the opposite, actually. <laughs> I've become like more willing to be friendly to like strangers. I'm like, hi, how are you? I can't wait to talk now. I haven't met you, Flo. I can't believe that you said you, <laughs> you're an introvert. I, just I, know, I know, I know, I <laughs> know. I was probably just going to finish off asking if you had any thoughts on, you know, how important projects like Brightstore are uh, in terms of sort of continuing after the pandemic. People aren't going to just magically get money from nowhere because the pandemic is over. I don't think that's how it works. And we're just still getting the words out there. Like not everyone is aware that it is a thing. Just the other day, 
well yesterday literally when we were at Brightstall we had one man I think he must have walked past then he came in to ask what's going on then he told us about how obviously he's got quite a bigger family and it's very expensive to get food and I think even if the pandemic is over there's still families like that that would really appreciate having something like Brightstall and I think it should still be around 100%. I think you're definitely right there. Well it's been really lovely talking to you Flo and, and just hearing your experience of Brightstall <laughs> and, and, and how it sort of helped you and, and the family. Thanks so much for coming and joining us on the podcast Flo. It's been really lovely chatting to you. Oh it's been lovely to be here. <laughs> Marvellously inspiring stuff there I think from Joel, Brian and all the fine people from Brightstall and the East Brighton Food Co-op. Just two of the community food projects that are doing such amazing work in the city. And brilliant to hear from some of those who are working on what they would call the front line, the First World War trench of community food in Brighton and Hove. And you can find more about what's going on at Brightstore and East Brighton Food Co-op by visiting their website. So I shall finish my stroll along the quirky beach, avoid becoming the latest victim of the seagulls. And thank you all for listening. I've been Mark Steele. Thank you and goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Changing Places, a podcast created by Unlimited, the Foundation for Social Entrepreneurs. We find, fund and support individuals to make a difference in the UK. This support includes grants and investment, one-to-one coaching and mentorship opportunities. We carry out research, tell stories of social entrepreneurs and their impact and influence policymakers to create a supportive world for the incredible work of social entrepreneurs. A big thank you to everyone who's contributed to this episode. To find out more about the organisations you heard, simply have a look at the show notes. For more information about Resilient Communities Project and the other programmes we deliver to support social entrepreneurs can be found at the Unlimited website, unltd.org.uk. Changing Places has been made possible thanks to the players of People's Postcode Lottery and is a Mike Media Production. <laughs>